you're listening to the Games in Tree.biz podcast. I'm James Batchelor and I'm here again with another audio version of a GI Live online session from our recent event. This week we're looking at Human Fall Flat's 25 million sales and how an indie game managed to achieve that level of success. Chris is joined this week by representatives from the developer No Break Games and the publisher Curve Digital, so I will hand over to Chris. Hello and welcome back to GI Live Online. My name is Chris and I run GamesIndustry.biz and we are joined by Indie Royalty here today. Human Full Flat has been a breakout hit uh, for, for developer No Breaks Games and publisher Kurt with 25 million copies sold worldwide. And it's getting bigger every single year. And we are joined both by the creator, Thomas Sakalout. Takalauskas, I think I've got that right. Oh, Hopefully, got that right. Um, and Curves VP of Franchise Publishing, uh, uh, Gary Rowe. Hello, guys. How is how 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 are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Good to be here. Yeah, good. It's 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 been an exciting journey um, for for you for the pair of you. Um, uh, uh, why don't we start at the beginning? Because I think there might be some people that don't know the Human Fall Flat story. And so, Thomas, where did the where did the whole idea for it come from? Where did it start? Well, I was uh, experimenting, as usually, with gameplay mechanics, and I wanted to make a character controller where you could uh, control uh, arms independently using Intel RealSense device. And uh, I was playing with uh, Active Ragdoll, and uh, then I saw that uh, configuring it for controller made uh, quite fun, interactable human to play with. And I wanted to do some puzzles in the spirit of Portal uh, meets Limbo with that character, but uh, then uh, gave it for playtesting, and uh, it was more than just puzzles. Uh, my kid tried to parkour his way around, work around puzzles, everything what you can come up with uh, instead of trying to solve puzzles. So, yeah, it, it was born as physics experiment to make it. Oh, wow! So your 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 kid helped you helped you to develop the game. Yeah, actually, he changed the direction quite a lot. <laughs> Kids have the power. Um, well, when did when did Curve get involved? Then, when did you meet Curve? And Curve, you know, either of you can answer that. But Thomas, when did when did Curve get involved? Well, uh, I initially launched uh, the game on HIO a prototype, paid prototype to start collecting feedback from a bigger audience than just my kid. And uh, I started marketing uh, the game, trying to get audience to that. And then I saw that it takes quite a bit of my time. So I packed my things and uh, went to a couple of events, trying to find uh, potential publishers. And at uh, Pocket Gamer Connect, I met with Curve and we started discussing. And uh, yeah, I saw them uh, being potential help to move further along. Hmm. Gary, what was it that... Why do you go right? We've got to get this. Well, I I joined uh, I joined just after uh, Human Fall Flat had started to really take off. Um, but from talking to Simon Byron, who was uh, the, uh, the the executive who acquired the game, he he just took a look at it and just liked it. He loved the he he loved playing it. He thought the puzzles were great. He just saw something in it. Um, but I think he would admit that for him it was it was a really interesting single player puzzler game that he was Curve were buying into. Um, and, you know, when Thomas then, I think Thomas and Curve were, were very, very happy with the initial sales uh, of the game, um, it, even though by our current standards, they're quite modest. You know, there was, it was 
decent business. You know, we were making some, both making some money. And that really allowed Thomas to, to spend a further year uh, coding in multiplayer. Uh, and that's when the game really took off. Um, so that was uh, late, dis- late 2017. It really took off uh, through that Christmas period. And then I joined early in 2018 um, to try and help them manage this game that was looking like it was going to be a, a, a really big hit. Um, but Thomas, I mean, you can, you can probably speak to a bit about how, how and why that multiplayer thing was so important to you in that time. Well, initially, I didn't think about multiplayer at all. Original prototype was only single player, but then uh, people kept asking to make co-op. And I implemented co-op and uh, could not stop laughing uh, playing the game after that point because I played with my friends, with kids. I saw other people's playing. So it changed even more from being linear puzzle to open-ended puzzle into something where you can uh, do funny stuff with your friends. And people kept asking about multiplayer, but I said, no, I cannot do that because it's uh, physics and it's very difficult to implement distributed physics. To give an example, if I take a box and I pull it one direction and you're pulling the box another direction at 200 millisecond uh, delay, it could be meter or more where I see the box and you see the box. So I thought, okay, it's simply not possible. And I was giving this example to my players and they were quite happy with the answer. But then two streamers uh, played the game using NVIDIA's uh, video stream somehow. And they were playing on opposite sides of the ocean and were quite happy with their experience. And I thought, okay, if they can play it uh, by just seeing the video, which is delayed quite a lot because for video stream, we have to compress everything, send playback and so on. I could do really optimized version when I, where I just send a physical object state so essentially one computer is playing the game and the, um, there is just broadcasting, but instead of video, I'm sending physical state. And they encouraged me to do multiplayer. That's how multiplayer came. That's fascinating. You know what? I, I don't want to, this is, this is airing before the next interview. The next interview, I've got uh, VLAN Studios. They're making that dodgeball game. And, they're, oh, yeah. and when they began with that, they said... Um, why has no one ever made a game of catch before in um, in, a, in a multiplayer game of catch before? And then they discovered the same thing that you were talking about at the top of that. That it's really hard because um, any physics based games to do that in that's um, that's really good. So did the, I take it then for your maybe your, I don't maybe you didn't have an initial vision for the game, but your vision for the game and where it was going to go changed quite drastically then as the community got involved and the feedback you received. Is that right? Yeah, so original vision was uh, even when I knew it's no longer just a single-player puzzle game, but co-op and a more puzzle game. Uh, yeah, I wanted to continue that that way, adding more puzzles, working on co-op uh, solutions for the game. But with community, the vision changed even more to, towards a goofy type of sandbox where you not just solve puzzles, but more having fun than solving puzzles. Mm. When, and when you created new levels and stuff did, I understand that it, a lot of it came though that did come from you you know it's things that you were experienced about and interested in is that right yeah so creating levels I still even being goofy game I did everything uh, as simulation so for example uh, boats in the game they are using hydrodynamics and uh, follow all the laws of that even oars that you use to paddle the boat they calculate aerodynamic or hydrodynamic force, and this is what propels you forward. So 
there are actually very few things that are scripted, as in a script where you write a script. This is how the game will progress. It's more what players will end up uh, by following physics rules. So yeah, most of the systems uh, were interesting to me, including uh, Sail and Windsurfer. So for me, there was Yacht. Uh, swimming in the water so I could uh, adjust the angle of attack for the sail, see which way the wind goes and try to use inertia of that to navigate that. Uh, electricity systems are also implemented using the OMS laws as a system and everything. So yeah, all, all those systems are more or less simulated. And, uh, this was fun to work instead of trying to craft very rigid experience how things will progress, you are thinking more in terms of systems, creating stuff, and then see players uh, do with it whatever they want. Mm -hmm. So um, how does the relationship work between the two of you then? So um, uh, is it that Thomas says, hey, I'm going to do this, and then uh, Curve jumps, or is it a little bit more collaborative than that? Well, I mean, maybe I can answer that. Um, and Thomas, you, you can disagree with me if you if you think I've got it wrong. I mean, when I first met Thomas in 2018, I think it's fair to say that he he was tired. You know, he'd been working so hard on the game and had had huge success and just really wanted a creative and uh, an emotional break from the game, I think. So we took over production. Um, you know, we started working with uh, UK-based developer Sumo. Um, we've worked with D3T. Um, we're back with Sumo uh, Lab, Sumo's Lab 42 now, have been since last March. Um, so we've got sort of professional uh, UK developers helping us build out the game and make it sort of structurally stronger um, and more up to the challenge of, 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 being, you know, of having sort of 25 million down installs. Um, so we, we've done that. When Thomas first released the game, it had sort of nine levels, um, which Thomas created. And they're, they're what we consider to be the core levels of the game. Um, when Forest, which is the new level, goes out at the end of May, um, that's going to be our 17th level. Um, and, you know, really what, what, where Thomas really helps is that he'll drive the strategy behind the game. So, and because it's been so successful, um, you know, we've, we're very, very happy to take a lead from Thomas on all things strategic around the, the, the around the game. So I'll give you an example, you know, most publishers, if they've got a game that's this successful, would be thinking, let's, let's put out paid DLC for it. It's an obvious one. It's what was in, it'd be in every publisher's playbook. Um, we've never charged a penny for any of the additional levels uh, at all. Um, it's the same price now that it was back in 2016 when it was a single-player, nine-level indie game, um, and it's way more than that now. You know, since then we've we've built in con console SKUs, we've got multiplayer, we've got workshop on PC, um, and actually all the latter levels, the later levels, all come from uh, creators. Uh, on Steam. So we run competitions where the winner can win $10,000. Um, we let the community judge it through a rating system that we built. And again, this is all Thomas's strategic idea. We, we implement it. Um, and uh, it's working really well for us. The, the creativity of the levels, they feel different to Thomas's levels. But, you know, it's a bit about what Thomas was saying with the emergent uh, gameplay you get from 
putting physics systems in. The emergent creativity we get from putting workshop in is phenomenal. We gets with our levels are just wonderful. The, the one that we've just released, the most recent one, uh, City, uh, was just absolutely superb. You know, very very different from anything Thomas would have created. But again, very happy to to publish that on every single SKU. And there are 29 and counting SKUs that we maintain right now. It's big. It, the workshop stuff is that you you can't you set me up for the next question. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> um, so that that's that's been that's been fantastic. But what was did you did you expect what you've had, Thomas? Was that the was that why did you want to do it? And was has the results been what you expected? Well, as most of the features that came post launch, uh, it's community asking for things and me unable to resist things they are asking. I had an initial workshop prototype built quite early with the game. Once uh, it launched in the team, I started working on workshop prototype. But then I wanted to build and workshop prototype and more skins and more content and this and that. Uh, so it was almost abandoned somewhere halfway while uh, I was focusing more on multiplayer and supporting that. But then when once we got the rest of the systems in place, uh, with the help of Curve, uh, we continued implementing that vision, what players have been asking for workshop. So yeah, the idea was quite early on, but implementation uh, had some time to be actually delivered with the game. But, but it was your original vision, wasn't it? I remember when we first talked about it, because the, the Steam pages were just workshop when memes running right through every comment. You know, we couldn't say anything without someone saying workshop when. And Thomas's original vision was, you know, let, let's ultimately, this is where future content is going to come from. And ultimately, this could be where future employees of No Breaks come from. Um, you know, we, we've certainly met some amazingly creative people uh, through this process. Um, and we, we've actually off, offered one, one of the creators a job, but he, he turned us down. <laughs> he's a, he's, a, he's a, a mature student. He's going on to, I think, a lot bigger and brighter things. And he just does this as a hobby. And in fact, he learnt Unity through Workshop. Uh, and he's the creator of two of our levels and helped with one of the, one of the other levels. Um, uh, Tyler McVeigh, uh, gotcha, his, his, his pseudonym is. Really wow. good chat. Yeah. That's, that's that's really cool. Um, and I'm shout, saying they turned you down. You said bigger and better things. You think it's bigger than 25 million. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> smash it in the game. Yeah, I, think, I, think, I think Tyler's on a very different uh, trajectory. He's, uh, yeah, he's a, an incredibly bright person. <clears throat> well, I mean, what, what about, I mean, so you, you, you see, so was there anything else that you started bringing into the game at the time? And actually, actually, maybe before I get into that, should we? I've, I've looking this up. There's there's lobbies, there's levels, there's skins. And we're, we're going to start using those terms. And mm. I know that a number of people watching this won't know what you're talking about. So um, just 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 to sort of set it up for the people watching, what what's the difference between those things? Um, well, a, 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 lo a lobby. Um, Thomas created a Christmas lobby um, uh, back in the, uh, the first sort of big big Christmas period, and really that's like a it's a waiting room space um, where you can just do stuff and mess about while you're waiting for friends to turn up. Um, so you know you might be emailing, texting, uh, contacting your mates to turn up. You wait there, and there's things you can do, uh, things you can see limited. A level is a is a discrete piece of content within Human Fall Flat, and and really it's kind of a 
uh, someone once described it as an as a as an escape the room um, with with wobbly physics, and that's not a bad way of thinking about human fall flat. You know, there's a series of of, of linear spaces through which you need to traverse. Um, and the mechanics are there's objects in the room. There's always multiple ways you can solve that problem of getting into the next space, getting into the next space. And ultimately, what you're experiencing is somebody's dreams. And that's why you constantly sort of fall into dreams all the time. You know, so you, you don't die in human fall flat. There's no the, the, the success criteria is experiencing the whole dream. There's no failure. Um and you know that's really part of its joy. The skins. Um, I think one of the reasons why humans been so successful is that um, the, the the human character is 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 really quite blank. Uh, it's very blank. It's white. It's featureless. Um, so you can project onto that your own character, your own thoughts. And skins are a way of helping with that. So right from the get go, you're able to create your own skins. A very simple editor, um, and then we commission and create um, skins ourselves. They typically are professions, uh, jobs that you might be doing. Um, and we also we also run competitions recently. We ran a dress, dress to impress competition with our friends at Steel Series, uh, where we got people to because not everybody can use. Uh, Photoshop. So we put templates, uh, 2D templates out on the web, ask people to color them in. Um, we selected 10 winners. Uh, we got the community to vote on the, the, the short list uh, and then the final winners. Um, and they all received a really good goodie bag of Steel Series kit, which is, you know, top, top notch. Um, so, yeah, skins are important, lobbies are important, and levels are, uh, comprise human full flat. I would like to add a little bit about lobbies. Uh, why are we talking about lobbies at all? It, uh, lobby is an interactive place where you can meet with other players. So it's not UI type of lobby. So basically it's a small world like level. And the original Christmas level was uh, where you could uh, shoot fireworks uh, and bring gifts and throw them into dispenser. And it was collective gold too. Uh, collect, I can't remember, 100,000 gifts or something like that for skins to unlock. So there were Christmas-themed skins and community was uh, throwing gifts uh, and collecting gifts to unlock stuff together. That was nightmare of Christmas because I had to supervise the servers, the back end, uh, eating Christmas dinner with my family. I had a laptop which would turn red if someone was trying to DDoS the server or things like that, but but still, the philosophy of human fall flat uh, is uh, that you are never interrupted. So as soon as the character drops on the loading screen, it's interactive. Even though he's falling through menus and UI, you can rotate, look around. When you uh, drop into lobby, you continue with the same character who is alive. And then you drop into level and through the levels, there are no loading screens and things like that. So the whole philosophy is to never take away the agency from player. And um, that's why we needed lobbying for to arrange multiplayer somehow. That's and that's really cool. And this is so so you had these things, and is that what you did? Because you went to five million, I think, by what, 2019? I think it was a five million, and now it's just gone through the pandemic here, it's just soared the game. Um was it primarily skins, lobbies, levels that you did, or was there other development things that you worked on that to help to help facilitate that growth? 
Well, I mean, we've, we've, as you can imagine, you know, we've, we've, we've got a whole load of pre presentations on this, which we sort of do to numerous people inside Curve and investors and mm -hmm. partners um, when we're talking about it. And one thing that's clear, when you look at the data, um, every time we release a piece of content, we see a, a spike in sales. Um, our partners are also been really good with us as well because when they've, uh, as they've seen now over the year, we do about sort of between four and five content drops a year. Um, and we also participate in the other sales as well. But every time we release a piece of content, they'll help us with promos uh, because they know it works and they know that their audiences love this free content that they're getting as well. Um, so yeah, we, we can directly see that. And it's really just been a question of constantly trying to bring content that's different, that's engaging, that's fresh and free. And that's really important because it means that, you know, people who are, are coming to the game for the first time, um, they can all play with any other player they see on the on the web. They're not restricted by what content sets they've owned or have, have bought into. And that really is a philosophy that Thomas holds entirely uh, dear. And I think initially Curve might have wanted to do it differently, but the success came so quickly that we're super happy. And we, we've actually deployed that onto other games as well and seen the benefit of it. Um, mm. And I think two things we've done, and this has been a real I think what Curve's done really well is is network with its partners around the world. So we've we've had a, a platform proliferation, difficult to say, um, and also a, a territory proliferation. So, you know, we've pushed really hard with partners into Japan, uh, where we've recently announced that we've sold over a million units in in, in Japan. It's one of the top indie games uh, in in Japan. Uh, it's doing really well on Switch, physical distribution uh, there as well. Um, China's a big market for us. Um, you know, we've worked that really hard as well. So it's, and I think China's been a really interesting market for us um, because it, it it's as we've done research and trying to understand, you know, why people love it and what they think about it. And we've, we've done a, a really lovely piece of research with Harris Interactive. Uh, we looked at China and we looked at the US. We polled about 3,000 people in each territory. And what, what came back was that, you know, and if you look at the our social numbers in China, we've got the stature of the real big games like Roblox and Minecraft and Human Full Flat is very much up there, you know, in terms of it's how they love it. It was really, they see it as the, it their real first indie game. It's described as the father of indie games uh, that sort of set a trail, which, you know, Party Animals is about to follow and, um, you know, uh, other, other games have, have, have gone down as well. But we did really well there. And what we've done is to make sure we partner with the right people. So we partner with Perfect World uh, on PC. We partner with Xingdong Networks on mobile through our partners at 505. Um, and that's been absolutely brilliant. Um, that's really worked really well. You've you've you're racing through my questions, Gary. I'm gonna I'm going. <laughs> no, no, it's no. I'm happy. I'm happy. Well, I will go back a little bit just in case Thomas wanted to add something about um, the development stuff that you've introduced in the last on eighteen months, twelve months or so. Was there anything in particular that you you've managed to introduce, Thomas? That's that's worked for you. Well, multiplayer worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, actually, most of the things worked. Uh, what did not work, especially in the initial phases, I was watching a lot of uh, YouTube videos and uh, Twitch streams of the game and was uh, watching closely what works, what does not work, what players expect to work. So, for example, there is puzzle where players think that they should be able to do something, but I did not uh, make it available or 
that jump is just a little bit too short to make it, uh, then I would come and make it work. So either make it less inviting, or in most cases, just try to support players with their ideas, what they want to, to achieve. So, yeah, whatever is not working by watching players do it, you can uh, make it work. Yeah, <laughs> you can always, you can always, yeah. Well, that's that's what that's what that's what game development is these days, isn't it? Trying something, getting it a bit right, a little bit wrong, and then and then learning and developing from it. Um, I think Ian Livingston uses says failures, success, work in progress, which is a thing I like. Um, <clears throat> um, well, let's go back to China then, because Gary, you talked about this quite a bit, and and I'm not sure how much we got more to add, really. But how actually big has China been for human fall flat? Well, I mean, on on Steam, um, you know, which is the dominant platform in China, um, you know, we we've, we we typically typically accounts for around sixty percent of our sales on Steam globally. Um, you know, we've and through that we've been able to to launch onto Steam China. We're one of the launch titles there. Um, you know, we've done a deal. With my, someone's come to the front door. It's my dog saying hello to the postman. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you know, we've we've got a relationship with Jingdong Networks that launched in on mobile in December and has already sold three million units. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a significantly successful game in China and, you know, the, and the, the Chinese gamers, um, what they love about it is, is, is slightly nuanced in a nuanced way. It's very different to what we what we saw in the U S um, in, in China, it's all about the social interactivity. Um, and they absolutely adore the fact that there, there aren't any win conditions. And we know also know that a lot of our gamers, um, they use Human Fall Flat as a somewhat of spa, somewhat of a, a recreational place, a safe space away from the more fractious experiences. Um, so PUBG, for example, is a, is a massive overlap with Human Fall Flat. And if you think about it, it's a similar co- time core loop, sort of 20 minutes for, for, for a game. Um, you know, you can, t- you can play it in sort of groups of, typically in groups of eight, we'll band together. Um, and, you know, if you think about the emotional experience of playing PUBG and the fact that, you know, you've got the anticipation, the excitement, the adrenaline, and then the failure, that's kind of the loop. For them to, this is what came out in the research, for them to um, to go and talk about PUBG, which is the, probably the main game, um, they'd love to come and socialise in human full flat. And they, they they hang out, they have a laugh, they really enjoy it. So it's that's been a really important part of understanding deep down why people keep coming back and why we keep getting so many new players. Um, it's that it provides something that's really quite unique in the marketplace um, through its sensitivity, through the humour, through the collaboration, through the friendship and the fun. Um, you know, there's lots of games will offer you multiplayer, but not many of them will offer you a place where you just go to have a laugh. Mm that i i've not i did i have all the comparisons to human full flat PUBG wasn't the thing that jumped immediately <laughs> to mind um <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's, it's really interesting you know if you talk to most uh, developers as i have over the last sort of 20 odd years doing acquisitions at various companies most developers all start out with the premise of like how am i going to make a game that's going to be the most important game in people's lives well actually the most successful game i've ever worked on um, human full flat is a game which complements people's gameplay tastes and what we find is that you know people have a, one game in the, in the research that they want to get good at you know the get good game the one they measure themselves as gamers on but they also have games that they take a break from that on and they socialize with the same group of friends and that's 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 fantastic 
Yeah. It's, it's an amazing game. I mean, from so many, it's broken the rule book and rewritten the rule book in so many different ways from the commercial playbook that Thomas handed to us and we've ran with through to the the network of, you know, the behind the scenes is the whole network of companies that we've talked about, a few of them already, but that, that have got us to the 25 million, um, that have all found success with different audiences on different platforms. Uh, there's something inherently, you know, wonderful about Human Fall Flat that re- resonates with lots of different people at lo- for lots of different reasons. Mm. Um, but I think the core comes back to, as I say, that, that non-competitiveness, the friendliness and the joy that people take from the game. Well, I, what you said earlier about how it's been very popular in China through Steam and very popular in Japan through Switch, and it, it mm. seems it seems that it's you're finding audiences in different ways for different reasons. Thomas, does that make it hard to develop? Do you, when you're thinking about developing for a community and you've got these different communities that like different things uh, that are playing on different platforms, does that create a headache or is it the opposite? Is it actually quite, it makes, makes it, there are too many opportunities, you might say. Well, I would lie if I would say that I knew the recipe to success. It's uh, just trying uh, to make something that you like and that you think people like. But the biggest part, of course, is luck. So for me, it was really exciting to see how the game resonated with China or with Japan because culturally we are so different. And uh, while in Europe, there are still different countries perceive the game very differently. For example, French kind of like how the game looks. Uh, Germans uh, like uh, puzzles and they argue which is the correct way because there are multiple ways. So um, someone likes music, again, based on, uh, on countries, people are a bit different, but we are talking about totally different mentality. And for me, that they enjoy the game is really exciting. I'm, I'm so happy because uh, if you play Japanese game, for example, you from the first couple of minutes, you see that it's not European or US game. It has different camera, different cinematic story, characters, everything. And just to somehow ring something in that audience is really amazing. Well, so what now? Right, you've done 25 million, right? You've got 50 million in sight. Right? What, uh, what, what's, okay, let's talk about 2021 to begin with. What, what, are, you doing, what are you doing right now with the game? Well, uh, sorry, Thomas, yeah. carry on. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, we will uh, continue what we did uh, so far. Uh, so bring more competitions, more opportunities for community to express themselves, more levels, more skins. And, uh, well, it's mostly to publishing team to reach the next 25 million of players because the game is there. We can add some small things. It, it will not change the game dramatically. But there are still people out there who are not aware that the game exists. And, uh, it's only so much I can do about it. So on you, Gary. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny, you know, when you talk to partners um, about sort of the longevity of human fall flat, it's, as I say, just rewrite a lot of rule books. You know, it, it doesn't show any sign of slowing down. I mean, uh, you know, I think you described... 2020 as a sort of a, a as a breakout year and really it kind of it was a good year for us and uh, the game in terms of getting new players but it, it's kind of on a very steep um accelerating curve um and last year you know was was brilliant but this year so far is looking like it's going to be a, a repeat performance of continued 
continued success, which is which is great. And I think you know, who knows how long it can carry on selling at this at this rate for? I guess you know we'll find out. But you know, we're constantly we've always got another three or four opportunities on the horizon for either new platforms or new partners or new territories where we can push. So yeah, we're busy. Um, you know, and it's. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and again, as much as as big as we are, um, you know, we we're, we're still I think a long, long, long way away from 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 getting towards you know some of the some of the games that are, are way bigger than us. So we we, we still think there's room to grow yet, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's done very well. Um, I think it's done better than a lot of AAA games. But yes, well, I, I'm sure I, I I know that there's obviously a lot of growth in that. Well, I'll, I'll wrap up then because <clears throat> there was yeah. so much talk about the success of this game and we could talk about it for ages and I'm sure there's lots of developers that will have lots of questions for you um, over the course. Like, how, how can we do this? How, I mean, I remember what, 10 years ago when, it, when maybe five years ago, I can't remember how long ago it was when indie games were becoming much more of a thing and all the publishers were trying to find the next Minecraft and everyone, oh, no one's going to find the next Minecraft. But those moments are, those games are appearing in Human Fall Flat and stuff. We're starting to see some of that. So it's really, it's really good. But, deviated off there what's been your favorite memory or, or moment standout moment perhaps working on human fall flat so far it's a question for both of you um what's been your standout moment thomas should we go with you tricky question for me actually quite strange moment uh, was seeing uh boxed versions of the game you know it, it was kind of realizing that this is actually a real game because i was never in uh AAA or any bigger game industry and it was more like experiment and even though you have uh, players and uh, success and everything but seeing a box with a game it was like realizing okay that is a game yeah i remember when i am when i as a journalist when you see your name in a printed title for the first time that's so much different. <laughs> it's just, I don't know why. Nobody can explain why. It's just so different um, when you see it. So you show your mum, you know, it's that kind of, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. <clears throat> what are you, Gary? Um, I think for me it was, and I can't tell you the, the milestone because it's, uh, but break all sorts of confidentiality rules. But when I was at Sega, I worked on Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games and that was my biggest game. And when we passed that number, that was a really proud moment. I, I loved that. Um, because I've you know I had a lot more. I was part of a big team at Sega that worked on that, but I was I was incredibly proud of working on that game. But you know when when Human Fall Flat surpassed that, that was a really proud moment. I think that and seeing the the first time it appeared on Japanese TV on primetime on a game show um, where they get celebrities in and they play a game and they talk about it whilst they're playing the game and seeing the fun they were having and that going out of primetime that was also quite special. I think. Well, it's been a phenomenal journey and congratulations on the success so far. And I really hope it continues. And I think it's a great, I think it's a great case study for everybody on how to um, develop a game uh, with your community and become hugely successful. And, and it's, and I hope it continues. I'm sure it will. Um, So thank you, Thomas. And thank you, Gary. That's, I mean, thank you very much. 
thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next Friday with another audio version of a GI Live online session. And we'll be back on Monday with our regular news show. You can find all previous episodes, including our past GI Live online sessions, the Game Developers Playlist episodes, and five games of, plus all the regular news shows on your podcasting platform of choice. And you can get more news insight and analysis into the world behind video games at gamesindustry.biz. Thank you.